You're listening to Blessed, Living the Good Life According to Jesus, a study of the Beatitudes. For more information, visit our website at crosspointptc.com. We're jumping back into our series called Blessed. It's hashtag blessed, and we've been asking ourselves, what does it mean to be hashtag blessed? Because the hashtag blessed is used on social media 15,000 times a day in 15,000 different ways. And I just wanted to read some of these for us today. At Sarah Colonna said, I'm watching The Price is Right, hashtag blessed. (laughs) Which, if you've ever been homesick from school... That's really close to the truth. Yeah, you know, that's the one thing that I'm like, all right, I got I to take that to Scripture and match that. I got to be careful I don't break these or fall. Sorry, I just put my foot on one of them. Um, RKLAU said, just got an email promising me first page ranking on Google. Guys, I have a feeling 2015 is going to be my year. Hashtag blessed. Apparently, he runs some sort of business. He's stoked that he's paid way too much money to get his business on the front page of Google. Clearly, he doesn't understand Google Analytics, but we won't tell him that. Um, And then, this was my favorite one, at Happier Man, I like bears. (laughs) Hashtag blessed. All right. Now, I don't know who these people are. I'm not endorsing them. I don't think you should follow them. I didn't check their feeds. This is just on the front page of the Twitter uh, sphere. Uh, but, But as Jesus has been showing us in his Sermon on the Mount, To be blessed is to be in the kingdom of God. And to be blessed means you really, really it's it's you know Jesus. And and so today we're going to do part two of persecution. So if last week was your first week, you were like, oh man, you know, the holidays are a time where people are like, you know what, we should go to church. Let's check it out. Let's try it out. Let's try to find one that we like, and, and we'll go, and we'll see. So for those of you who came last week, you're like, man, persecution. All right, next week is going to be better. He'll preach on something else. No, I'm not. We're preaching on persecution again. Uh, but, but the real thing that we're preaching here is the gospel, and we'll see why perse- persecution comes because of the gospel that we preach. So if you're a non-Christian today, you just kind of get to sit on the fence and go, all right, why does everybody hate these Christians? Why do I feel animosity towards Christians at times or religious people or whatever nomenclature that you want to use, we're going to unpack that uh, using Jesus' sermon on the mount. So, so let's, let's pray and we'll, we'll jump in. God, we're grateful for you today. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to save us. I pray that you would speak through me, that I would be strengthened in my weakness by you, Holy Spirit, that this would not come on my own power or volition, but Holy Spirit, that you would empower me to preach this morning, Jesus, that you would speak to each and every one of us. And it is in your holy name we pray. Amen. Um, I'm probably going to stand behind this a lot of the time. I feel like this is where I need to stand for the persecution sermon. So I may venture out, but I really, I need, I want to be able to hit it old school, you know, and, and spit. Yes, exactly. Uh, and plus, this is just so awesome. I feel like this is framed. So if you want to Instagram this, I'll just, you know, yeah, we can do that. That's not vain. That's just, that's just, that's just me doing me uh, on the pulpit. Everybody who's new is like, this, is it like this every week? Yes, it is. It's exactly like this every week. But 
part two, persecution. Jesus says the first part generally, and then he personalizes that. That first part, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He's talking in theirs and those sort of language, and now we move into this you language, which Jesus brings it personally to us. And, and, and I think he, I like to think that, I mean, as a preacher, as, as somebody who preaches every week, there are times where I'm preaching to you guys, and I just see you guys like kind of, for your brow, or you know, you kind of wake up for a second. I'm like, all right, I gotta, I gotta unpack that. And so maybe Jesus is preaching, and he says that first part, and everybody's like, what? Persecuted, right? What? Like, what are you talking about? And so Jesus unpacks it even further, and he puts it on the ground, saying some of the hardest words in the New Testament. And the idea here is being persecuted for being a Christian is a mark of a Christian. Did you catch that? Being persecuted for being a Christian is a mark of being a Christian. And, and I love starting out our time looking at cultural lies and how we're deceived by modern day culture. And so in order to show, uh, we, we do that not because I'm like, oh, hey, look what the media is saying, but rather to say, look at the sermon that's being preached to us. This is why we need to see the gospel redeemed culture here in our uh, city and community. And so I think there's modern day persecution in the media and it looks differently because we're very politically correct and we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and all of that. And so did anyone see the Benjamin Watson post on Facebook following all of the, the racial tension that's going on? The NFL player who was proclaiming Jesus, he said the famous line that has now been retweeted by Rick Warren and Rick Warren's like kind of running with it, that it's not a skin problem, it's a sin problem. Maybe you're seeing that in your Facebook feed. Well, let's look at this CNN, and I'm not knocking CNN, but CNN video of this lady interviewing uh, Benjamin Watson and, and watch what happens. This is phenomenal. Salvation for this sin is the gospel. The only way to really cure that was on the inside is understanding that Jesus Christ died for our sins. And so, th to me, on a micro level, it's understanding. It. Oh, and just like that, we lost him. I know. Just like that. Just like that, we lost him. We, we can get home, dude, in Afghanistan while bombs are going off halfway across the world and the feed is perfect, but Benjamin Watson in an office which is likely hardwired in, you know, in Philadelphia, or I think he's a New Orleans Saints player, like all of a sudden, oh, 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 we lost him, you know, and if you listen to her, she's, she goes, got it, and, and I, she's not saying got it to Benjamin Watson, she's saying got it to whoever's on the other side of her ear, because Benjamin's just on the screen in front of her, and so tell me that's not a form of persecution, they let him talk about sin, they let him talk about the gospel, they let him talk about race, they let him talk about the systemic issues in America, we get to Jesus and the feed goes out. Tell me that's not persecution. And then there's this. Okay, so Kirk Cameron's made a movie, which is a terrible idea just across the board. <laughs> like, yeah, all right, that's the most feedback I've ever gotten in a sermon here at Cross Point Peachtree City in our two years of being a church, knocking Kirk Cameron. It's okay, CK, we love you. Um, but actually, we don't, we love Candace, this is the truth. Um, <laughs> DJ from Full House. Um, there was actually a DJ in Baltimore named DJ from Full House, and that's funny. Um, so, so he made this movie, and it's, it's like Saving Christmas or something like that. Yeah, Saving Christmas. And now 
Speaking strictly, I have an acting degree from a film standpoint. It's probably just horse garbage. It's probably just a school bus fire of a train wreck. You know, just, just dumpster mess is what this movie likely is in regards to film. But look at this. The people have spoken. Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas is IMDb's worst movie of all time. Uh, people, he beat Geely out. Like, seriously. <laughs> Like, he beat all of, 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 just, of just the Wayans Brothers films. Like, there are multiple films that I would say, no, Kirk Cameron's film is better than that film. But, and the thing is, I think 1,500 people have to log on to vote. So that means 1,500 people got angry and logged on and gave him an average of 1.3 stars for this movie. And what's radical about this is it came out like four weeks ago. How is that the worst movie of all time? It's only been running for four weeks. And apparently it's killing the box office. They're, they're making money off of it because youth groups are going to see it, you know, which is fine. But I wonder if, if the low ranking on international movie database isn't because of the quality of film, but rather the name Jesus. So... The question I want us to wrestle with and continue to wrestle with that Jason touched on last week, and we're not going to answer these, but I just want them to be in the forefront of our mind as we look through this passage is that are you being persecuted because you're a Christian or because you're obnoxious? Maybe that's why Kirk Cameron's getting persecuted, because he's obnoxious. I mean, that's possible. Are you persecuted for your love for Jesus or for your love for a false savior like your political party or sports team or something else that's taken Jesus' place in your life? I mean, how many of us honestly just hate people who do CrossFit? Aren't they just the worst? It just, with bring their, bringing their cult into our living rooms, and it's just, it, it really is. And I would love to join one. I just don't have the money, and I would totally wear a CrossFit t-shirt and get a CrossFit tattoo and jump all in. I'm just not financially stable enough to do that. But maybe it's, it's fitness. Maybe it's X, Y, or Z, whatever it might be for you. Are you persecuted for your faith? Or are you not persecuted at all because you only surround yourself with Christians and Christian things and actually don't know any non-Christians? I mean, that's a huge one. We go to the Christian bookstore and we listen to the Christian radio and we watch the Christian TV shows and we put our kids in Upward because God forbid they interact with non-Christians. I'm going to make a basketball league called Downward. And it's just going to be 90s-style NBA basketball, just pushing and punching and shoving. We'll call it downward. We'll have stickers and everything. Maybe you're not being persecuted because you hide your Christianity. It's hidden. You know who hid his Christianity? Judas Iscariot. Maybe that's why you're not being persecuted, because you never say a word, which makes me wonder, are you even a Christian? Jesus, I mean, the whole Bible talks about Christians are going to be a, a light in the world, a city set on a hill. It can't be hidden. It's this exposed thing that's revolutionizing and changing the entire world. But do you just keep your mouth shut because you don't want to rock the boat? Maybe you're not even a Christian. I mean, these are real things that we have to wrestle through. Eternity is on the line here. So we, we must at least consider them. So let's jump in. 
Jesus says this, uh, he continues to unpack this beatitude in verse 11 by saying, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Just generally, um, raise your hand if you've been reviled. Just anybody in here been reviled? That means like yelled at, just me. Thank you for being the only honest person in, yeah, that's good. Uh, I, raise, your, I mean, raise your hand if you've had people talk behind your back. They've uttered things against you, right? Hunter, calm down, okay? <laughs> calm down. No, you're not stretching. Calm down. We can relate to this verse immediately. All right, you guys are done. And we can get fired up about it, but never reach the end of the sentence. Jesus says, on my account. He doesn't say, blessed are the persecuted, and that's that, and just period, right? That's where a lot of us get tangled up. In this verse, Kent Hughes says, unfortunately, this is the way it is sometimes interpreted. And those who read it like this delude themselves into thinking that anytime they experience conflict, they're bearing the reproach of Christ. Um, there's a book, we'll bring up the cover, it's called The Gospel Blimp, you should read it, it's really great. Basically, believers in a small town organize uh, this gospel blimp and they fly it to and from across town, it's fictional, um, it, which means not real, um, I know, that's hard for me too, and they attach banners to the back of it that have like Bible verses and they drop tracks from it into people's backyards and they call them gospel bombs and, and, and everybody's kind of cool with it. They're, they're, they're okay with it. But then the people install a huge loudspeaker and they start doing gospel broadcasts um, across this entire city. And, and this is run in the newspaper um, by the people in the town. For some weeks now, our metropolis has been treated to the spectacle of a blimp with an advertising sign attached at the rear. This sign does not plug cigarettes or a bottled beverage, but the religious beliefs of a particular group in our midst. The people of our city are notably broad-minded, and they have good-naturedly submitted to this attempt to proselytize but last night, a new refinement, some would say debasement, was introduced. We refer, of course, to the airborne sound truck, the invader of our privacy, that raucous destroyer of communal peace. That's what's run in the newspaper in this town. That night, the uh, blimp is vandalized and sabotaged. And can you guess what the Christians call that? Persecution. They invade this city, they're loud, they're obnoxious, they're rude, they're, they're, they're just imposing upon everyone, and when someone reacts negatively, they cry persecution, and this is how some Christians live and view their lives when it comes to persecution, but that's not what Jesus is teaching here. Kent Hughes reminds us that Jesus' words must be read in their entirety. In verse 10, Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And in this context, the righteousness is righteous living that Jesus has been teaching in the preceding Beatitudes. So what Jesus is saying is that the main reason you will be persecuted is because you are like him. It's not going to necessarily follow a bold post on Facebook, taking a stand on an issue or not joining in on something at school one time. All those, those things might be a part of it, but rather that you'll live the entirety of your life in such a way that mimics the life and heart of Jesus. And because of your life as a whole, you will continually be persecuted. 
Paul says in 2 Timothy, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So if we live out this life in Christ, we will be reviled and persecuted, and people will say all kinds of awful things about us, and Jesus says we're blessed. Peter says in 1 Peter, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. The idea behind the word persecuted is harassment. Jesus is pretty much saying, blessed are the harassed. And the harassment comes in all forms, but Jesus focuses in on some pretty heavy verbal persecution. And I think sometimes that verbal assault can be more painful to endure than physical harm, depending on its nature, obviously. I mean, I remember back in third grade, now none of this is for the sake of Christ, this was all Josiah being stupid, but... I just think back to third grade when I was making fun of Johnny Crow's girlfriend uh, because that's what you do when you're in third grade. You make fun of your buddy's girlfriends. And so he had my head up against the bathroom wall and I punched him in his stomach and then he punched me in the side of the head and I blacked out. And when I woke up, woke up I was on the ground weeping. I was just crying. And, and he was, and then because we're buddies, you know, he's like, oh no, no, no. You know, like he was just so worried about me all of a sudden, like we weren't enemies anymore. I totally forgotten about the girlfriend thing. And like that, that was fine. I was fine after that. Plus, like, you know, a few years later, I hit him in the head with a fastball and baseball, so it was all good. It evened out. Um, that's not the gospel, uh, but that's what I did, and um, so don't do that. But, but I think about uh, the things that were said about me uh, when I was lied about in college. Apparently, I like to take girls to the graveyard and make out with them. That's a weird lie, right? <laughs> like, that, that was my first thought. I was like, really? That's the lie? That's a weird lie. Okay, but no, I don't. You know, and, and it was just painful to hear people talk behind my back and gossip. And, and, and I like I would take a punch to the head from Johnny Crow any day uh, than, than endure verbal assault. Um, but Jesus says all of this is going to happen if we are like Him, and then He tells us what to do about it. Look at this. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He says rejoice. Rejoice. Not turn the other cheek, not keep quiet, not pray. He says rejoice. That, 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 that enacts something verbal, something physical, something mental, something emotional, something spiritual. And I mean, is that hard for anybody else to swallow this morning? Like, it is for me. I'm like, what? Rejoice? When people revile you, rejoice. When people persecute you, rejoice. When people gossip about you and harass you for the name of Jesus, not for being an idiot, not for the sin that you've caused. A lot of people will think, oh, man, I'm in this debacle relationally, or oh, I've gotten my, you know, there's all this financial stress on my life right now, or oh, there's also this, this friendship thing going on, you know, I must be, be, you know, being persecuted. It's like, no, you've been dumb. You've been sinful. You've sown those seeds in sin, and now you're reaping that. But Jesus is saying when you're reviled for him, when you're harassed because of him, when people gossip about you because of him, rejoice. And not only rejoice, but be glad. Why? Because our reward is in heaven. 
Jesus is saying there's no need to try and reward yourself here on earth. I know you want to punch them in the face. I know you want to sit down with them and have a nice civil conversation and prove while they are wrong and you are right to show them your folly. Jesus says don't seek reward in that way here on earth because your reward is already in heaven. And your reward is in heaven not because you responded correctly to the revilement. It's not an attaboy. It's not, oh, you handled persecution well, so here's your reward. No, you're rewarded because you're a son or daughter of the king. And that's the good news of the gospel. Jesus lived the life that we couldn't. He died the death that we should have. He was resurrected from the dead. He's reconciled us back to God. So when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, we are adopted into God's family. God doesn't become your boss. He doesn't become your employer. He becomes your daddy. That's the reward for eternity. And so if you're a non-Christian today, you're saying, man, I don't... I don't want to be persecuted. Oh, you'll be persecuted just because you are on this earth. Persecution is going to come. It might not be because you're a Christian, but you will be persecuted. So we can take that out of the equation. But the, the truth is, is the non-Christian gets to the end of their life, and then they experience complete <coughs> separation, damnation, and hell for all of eternity. And the Christian experiences just immeasurable joy, immeasurable reward, and, and, and just and, and peace for all of eternity because they're in the presence of God. So for the non-Christian, there's a momentary pleasure and then an eternity of suffering. For the Christian, there's a momentary suffering and an eternity of pleasure. It sounds pretty good at this point, doesn't it? And that word... Great in heaven. Your reward is great. It means it can't be measured. There's no possible way to measure what is awaiting for us who believe in Jesus Christ at the end of this life. And so our, our brothers and sisters who are having their heads cut off um, saw a picture the other day, thought about showing it, but didn't want to gross you guys out, um, a, a guy being set on fire because he preached the gospel. Can you imagine people just running in here and grabbing me and then binding me to a tree outside and setting fire to me? I appreciate that. I know you got my back. Ride or die, right? That's what we do. Rough riders up here. Mount up. We have NFL superstars being silenced Oh, they, they get a platform to talk about the girls they sleep with, the money they spend, all the craziness that they endure. Oh, we'll spotlight Adrian Peterson all day for, for whipping his son, you know, and give him all the news coverage and media. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll highlight Ray Rice and follow him around. And, and they they want to latch on to that sin, but you speak the name of Jesus Christ and all of a sudden the feed goes out. Isn't that interesting? Jesus says, they persecuted the prophets before you. And, and basically, he's saying, look where they are now. They're in glory. That's what's awaiting you, Christian. Immeasurable joy and reward. You are blessed because you have been saved by Jesus, and you will experience the fullness of that reward of grace in all of eternity. And, 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 and so uh, as we finish out, 
the sermon today, these type of passages make application pretty hard because it's not like I'm going to release us and be like, okay, go get persecuted, everybody, you know, like, and then report back to me and we'll just, we'll just put them up here in between the Christmas trees of our persecution. It's not like that would be kind of weird, right? You wouldn't come back next week. Even at the thought of that, you're like, I still might not come back next week. No, Nova knows what's up back there. No, if, if, we are, if we truly are who we say we are, if we truly believe what we say we believe, then persecution will come. As we recognize our spiritual poverty, mourn our sin, pursue meekness, <clears throat> hunger and thirst for righteousness of Christ, extend mercy to others, pursue purity and make peace, we will be persecuted, and when we are persecuted, we need to ask God to show us what it looks like to rejoice and be glad <clears throat> in the face of harassment. And so where we'll end today is Paul's words uh, in, in 2 Corinthians as, as a way of encouragement to you guys and to myself, because if there's, uh, if there's someone in Christianity who's, who's, who's endured great suffering and persecution, it's the Apostle Paul. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's Jesus talking. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. May we recognize our weaknesses and in our weakness see the strength of Christ to carry us through the persecution that awaits us. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions about this message, visit us at crosspointptc.com. There you can contact us, find further resources and directions to our gatherings. That's C-R-O-S-S-P-O-I-N-T-E ptc.com